Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off Angel. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us at patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. Tell me you're an investigator. More or less. Today, because of your curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. Not a taint. I'm your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. You got already an addiction to the brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for the bulk of it, where I was nearly tortured to death. Become evil again. You're a demon hunter. Rogue demon hunter. And kill everyone. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia. Appreciate your perspective. Tank. <laughs> here, here we go. <laughs> Insert drink noises here because we have cocktails. Welcome to Ale with Angel. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. And today we're taking a break from beer and ale. Sorry, Ollie. Yeah. And we're just drinking some goddamn white Russians. Careful, man, there's a beverage here. <laughs> the ruck tied the room together, did it not? It did. Clearly, you're not a golfer. <laughs> so today on Ale with Angel, we're reviewing Angel episode five of season one, Room with with a Voo. <laughs> RM. It's Room with a View, but written like it's in an, a classified ad. Yeah, that. It's a very clever title. Oh, is that where they're yes. coming from with that? Okay, that's cute. See, I didn't get that. Learn something new every time we record an episode. Well, unlike me, you haven't been fucking staring at apartment ads for the last month and a half every day constantly. Yeah, I figured that would come up at some point. <laughs> it's a very topical episode for us right now. So... I would call it a sore point right now. Thank you very much. Self-care is very important. How about a home? I would just like a home. Trigger point release. You got to do some trigger point release. <laughs> I'll put you in a home. Oh, yeah. I'll put you in a home. God, you always have to make it weird. It'll be very nice. You'll like it very much. The, <laughs> the, the people around there are so friendly. <laughs> do they have uh, white coats with long sleeves? You bet. <laughs> They feed you, and they never let you forget to take your pills. <laughs> they will force it down your fucking throat. <laughs> it escalates quickly. Approximately yeah. that quickly. I, I promise. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So huge shout out to all of our executive producers, which is what we are now officially calling our Patreon supporters. Meredith McCaslin, Rose Clark, C in quotes heaps, Andy Burgess, Kefro Gnome, Father DeFinistrato, Alexandria Ware Von Brunt. You enjoy saying that a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> Do I enjoy it or is it for her? I think this one is for you, Alexandria. <laughs> Alexandra! The diaries in Berlin. Anyway, that's where my brain always goes with that, Alexandria. You're welcome. Also, Kelly McAdams, Shuby Pathic, Carol Jude, Ollie from the Heart, and Carrie Phillips. Yes, that's right. You can join this list if you really want to. You can throw your money right on out the window and into our window, <laughs> where we will use it to buy booze, feed fat cats, and make stupid jokes about the Whedonverse. Mostly at this point, any new money goes to booze. Yeah, shh, shh, shh. Don't, 
We don't tell the truth here on. <laughs> yeah, we do. Ale with Angel. We're <laughs> beer with Puff. That's no. We we are truth bombs. Yeah. We ain't tell nothing but the truth. Some people can't handle it. Damn right. <laughs> hey Rex, you remember that contest we were doing for the Keanu Reeves coloring book? Why, yes, I do. Had something to do with writing a story about Keanu Reeves having a crossover experience with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yes. Yeah, that one. Well, hey, the results are in, everybody. And there was only one of them, so we have a default winner. (laughs) Whee! Really? Only one? Yeah, only one. Well, we had a couple uh, that I frankly, personally, I don't think qualify. One of them was, I'm pretty sure, from overseas. And they also said in the post that they don't care about our silly coloring book. Hard air quotes. Hard air quotes. <laughs> and that they are, uh, what's what's the word? A Keanu Reeves apostate? Yeah. What the hell? I mean, you should get that checked out. <laughs> Um, the, I think that's the one where the doctor needs to roto-rooter your pooper. <laughs> if you got a Keanu Reeves-shaped apostate, that's not a good... I mean, that's simultaneously a miracle and also just not good news. I'm sorry to no, hear it's... about your troubles, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so who was our winner then? Amanda Rivera! Hey, why don't we just go ahead and read Amanda Rivera's entry? Because it was quite good. It was the only serious entry. Uh, Like we boosted the post on Facebook and we got quite a lot of likes and it really boosted our listens for this last episode, 104. Yeah, just Um, not that many entries. Yeah, just not that many entries. Um, I don't know if people didn't understand the rules. I tried to clarify as much as I could, but I think we're just going to call it, and we'll find another way to give away the uh, the second coloring book. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got some ideas, but let's not worry about it just the second. I'm going to read Amanda Rivera's entry real quick. So, Amanda Rivera writes, One day, on Buffy's usual patrol, she sees these demons breaking into a crypt. She stops them, but when she did, they dropped a coin-like amulet. Buffy picked it up and was curious on what or who this amulet was for. Heading back to Buffy's house for research, Buffy starts to leave the graveyard when a man steps out of the shadows. Hello, my name is John Constantine, and I need that amulet. Hello, I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and what's with the amulet? Why is it so important? Buffy asked. The amulet belongs to a very powerful demon, and those followers want to bring it to the living realm and turn it into their own hell kingdom, Constantine stated. Oh, come on! All bad guys want to destroy or rule. Can't they come up with anything new? Oh, well, I'm not going to give up the amulet without knowing more about it and you. You want it? Come and take it, or we can work together. Your choice, Buffy Buffy stated. stated. (laughs) (laughs) And we said it at the same time. I work alone, but I am willing to work together for now, Constantine replied. They started walking towards Buffy's house, eyeing each other as they walked in silence. The shadows grew darker as they walked not knowing that the amulet was calling out to its master to find it and be reunited. Yeah, there it is. I'd fucking watch that crossover. Yeah. Or read it. And I can't decide if Constantine and Buffy would really get along or really fucking hate each other. Yeah, I'm ashamed to admit that I actually have not seen Constantine, and I am going to remedy that, like, today, because... I've been hearing amazing things about it for a while now. It, it's quite good. Not the same as the comic book, but quite good. And there's also a comic book. Also good to know. 
Yeah, so Amanda. I like pretty pictures. <laughs> so Amanda, congratulations on winning your very own Keanu Reeves coloring book. We will get that sent out to you post haste. Yeah, it's all yours. Take it. Eat it. No, don't eat it. Actually, color it in and send us pictures of it. Yes. You have to at least send us one picture of something you colored. At least one. Preferably all of them. Yes. Sure. Yeah, just spam us publicly <laughs> with those pictures. Hey, and you can, po- at the very least, post them in the, the Beer with Buffy group. Yes. This has been another contest by the Beer with Buffy and or Ale with the Angel guys. You are welcome. And the answer is, you win. <laughs> Time to read a couple reviews, I think. Yeah. We are going to start off with a review that was placed May 10th, 2019. Five-star review by M. Bear. It's E-M-M-B-E-A-R-R. Oh, wow. I totally spelled that wrong. Good to know. (laughs) Titled, The Best Part of My Day. And that's just flattering. Yeah. The best part of my day. I'll tell you what the best part of my day is. (laughs) Oh, actually, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Good. Why don't we just go on with the review? The best part of my day. This podcast just brings me so much joy. I'm constantly laughing out loud and I love it. I love that it's such a light and fun part of my day. Rex and Josh have a great dynamic that makes you feel like you're just popping into a conversation with friends, and it makes my commute bearable. Oh, shut up, Ember. <laughs> you, you hush. The mom synopsis is pure gold, and the fact that they can make each other genuinely laugh makes the show all the more fun. Pure gold. If you love Buffy and have a sense of humor, you are in for a treat. I am so flattered, Ember. Thank you very much yes. for that five-star review. Flowers for me, I do declare. <laughs> and then our second review for today, our only four-star review. I mean, that's fine if that's how you really feel. We can take it. We're big boys, probably. Yeah. This is actually one of our very early reviews. It's still um, a very good written review. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, by Ryan SP1, uh, written January 30th, 2019, says, Hilarious and entertaining. These guys are hilarious and have me rolling on the floor laughing sometimes. They found a comfortable balance between analysis and entertainment. I'm only partway through season one, so I'll keep listening. It only seems to be getting better as they find their rhythm. Hot damn. Yeah, that one actually kept me going for a long time there, Ryan. Yeah. Thank you, actually. No, really. The words are more important than the numbers. The numbers are also very important. Yeah. But really, like, these things, they make us feel great. I check it habitually every day. <laughs> so much. I, it's worse, so much. It's worse than the Facebook news feed. I just sit there and I refresh my phone on that page, hoping that somebody has written a review in the last hour so seriously you're not only just going to be helping our podcast uh you're going to be directly showing us some serious thanks that will help keep this show going just as much as any money that you may or may not give us oh yeah definitely which you can also do at store.beerwithbuffy.com where you can buy our stuff we have stickers we have t-shirts we have other things like sweaters and they have our logo on them too Hey, did, did, do you ever need something to drink coffee out of? And you're like, I don't know what to drink this coffee out of. Well, we, we have a solution for that, too. 
It's it's called a mug, and it's got the beer with Buffy logo on it, just like everything else. Yay! I love how you're slowly going into the fake doors. <laughs> fake <right>? doors. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and uh, some good news for Ale with Angel fans. Our friend and artist who did the logo for Beer with Buffy is hard at work on an Ale with Angel logo. I, I totally forgot about that. Oh my god, we should totally plug his new book. So not only do we walk around with our chest puffed out going, well, I'll have to pass that on to my composer. (laughs) That's right. I have a composer and a co-host. Oh, dear. Do you have a co-host? I didn't think so. But now we can also throw Illustrator on the list. Yeah, a good friend of mine, he does illustration, he did our logo, he actually just recently did the illustrations for a book of a local celebrity. Yeah, he did a children's book, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, uh, so the children's book is by this guy who drives a banana car. Yeah, Google it, guys. (laughs) He's from our hometown. Don't tell me Kalamazoo never did nothing for you, because he gave you the fucking banana car. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm actually going to... Uh, by the time this episode goes up, I'm going to tweet out about that specifically. Definitely. So check out our Twitter and you can find information about this and get a little more, little more information of our friend Anthony and illustration work that he's been doing. Yeah, do that. Support local artists, even if they live on the other side of the country. <laughs> They're local to us. Yes. Hey, Josh. Yeah, Rex? I guess it's a dad synopsis time. Well, you're not far off. Joshua. Hey, hey, Joshua, what are you doing? Is this your idea of apartment hunting? Well, I step aside, generic father figure. (laughs) The boy hasn't... The boy hasn't been properly demoralized in weeks. (laughs) Never leave a man to do a mother's job. I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> oh, God, I thought we left you over on the Buffy set, Mom. <laughs> yes, you would abandon your mother for weeks at a time, wouldn't you? Abandon? There were fucking sandwiches and a porta potty. You were fine. Shut up before I bury you alive in a wall, Joshua. Shit. I guess you've had time to even watch today's episode. <laughs> what episode? I live in a porta potty for over a month, and all he can think about is his stupid TV show. Oh, don't exaggerate. I see you ran off with that hussy. Who the hell are you calling a hussy? Cordelia? I could only wish on my best fucking day, Angel, of course. You've been in love with his broodiness from day one. God damn it. Mama, don't you know how transcendent Angel's broodiness is? See, a mother knows. Oh, cover yourself, Joshua. You've got an erection. I do not. You see what you've done to the boy? He's comfortable in his sexuality, confident in himself, and... You mean I did something right? Absolutely not, and you're not my real dad. (laughs) That's it. Time to bury you alive in a wall, Joshua. Oh, for fuck's sake. At least I'll have my own place like Cordy. (laughs) Where she wants to tear down a wall in her new apartment because she had to leave her old one because she had a serious roach problem. 
Doyle helped her find it in exchange for Angel helping him take care of some old skeletons in the closet, mostly demonic debt collectors. Turns out Cordy's new place is haunted. But once they exercise it and kill the debt collectors at the same time, Cordy's footloose and fancy free to enjoy her new place and her regained sense of self-worth and confidence. Doyle leaves us with some questions about his past. The end. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. Competition is a beautiful thing. Oh, you know, it occurs to me that as I watch this episode, I really should have realized that this would pull out a mom's synopsis, but it, it didn't even... I'm so glad. You, I didn't even expect it. I'm so glad you had no sense of foreshadowing. Oh, man. Oh, that was a pleasant surprise. I was gonna wait until you fully accepted that the dad synopsis was a thing, but you kind of did that today, too. Yeah. So... Starting next episode, I was going to start writing both a dad and a mom synopsis and just, <laughs> just wait. wait till I gave you the right cue. <laughs> As per usual, I managed to play into it perfectly without knowing what I'm doing. I'm glad that I didn't have to do that because that would have taken way too long to write. But yeah, seriously. Anyway, cold open. Yeah, cold open to the Angel, Invest the Angel Investigations office where... Cordy regales Doyle with a trash bag commercial audition. I thought she was actually complaining about trash bags for about <laughs> two seconds. Right? It wasn't until she, like, she says the line and then she pauses and then drops the trash bag. Yeah. When she paused, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. Yeah. Well, Charisma Carpenter is no dummy. She's... <laughs> no. She knows what she's doing. Um, I, I do have to say that Charisma Carpenter, much better actor than Cordelia Chase. Yes. <laughs> That's the sign of a good actress. When you can make people go, oh, wow, that character is such a bad actress. Yeah. Yeah. But they still love the character as if they're a real person. Yeah. That means you're a good fucking actress or very, actor. Very good. Yeah. So she's nailing it. But Doyle's like, oh, you should have totally gotten the part. But he doesn't feel he doesn't come off very sincere in that. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's mad that she didn't get the role. He's trying to console her. I just don't think Cordy has thick enough skin that you need to make it in the acting business. Like you got to deal with a fuckload of rejection. Yeah, constantly, even yeah. when you're a you know model material and a triple threat fucking actor, dancer, singer. It's, you still got to wade through the shit. I know I know enough actors to know that it is god-awful and I would never want to fucking do it ever. I do know a handful of people that made it to Broadway seemingly effortlessly, but um, I wasn't exactly there watching the whole time, so I don't know right. what they went through. Yeah. Really. Seemingly effortless from the outside does not mean effortless. Yeah, and to be fair, like as much as I hate one of them, <laughs> like they're still fantastically talented people so what do i i have nothing to say also about no it. you can be a fantastically talented person and still be a shitty person oh yes in fact it's more likely i yes. would say why do you think we worship keanu reeves because he's the exception to the rule like him and tom cruise i think or not shit not tom cruise tom hanks him and, oh yeah him and tom oh, hanks yeah. the nicest people in hollywood yeah absolutely like nobody's got a single bad thing to say about tom hanks just trying to think if I've ever heard anything bad about Tom Hanks. 
No, you haven't. The only problem I have with Tom Hanks is he did a very detrimental anti D and D movie once when it was very like his first fucking movie. Huh. It was very much about like, oh, D and D is about devil worshippers and it will turn your kids to worship Satan. Well, what was that like the late seventies or something? Yeah. Oh well, eh. early eighties. Whatever. You can't blame the man for how well, he gets started. Okay. I no. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you're first starting out, you take anything. Exactly. Which is why Cordelia is going for trash bag commercials. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're derailing our yeah, own selves. Yeah, so see, that's why I brought it back around. So you gotta you gotta deal with the fuckload of rejection. But the phone rings, and it's a friend of Cordy's named Aura, I yeah. guess. And no idea who that is. Somebody from Sunnydale that used to be in her clique at Sunnydale High School. Must have been one of the uh, extras who didn't have lines. Exactly. <laughs> so she ignores it while... Aura is leaving a message because she doesn't want to have to admit that she's not getting any roles and living in a shit heap apartment. Shit heap sounds generous. Right? (laughs) Yeah. This apartment's really bad, as we'll find out in a moment. So Doyle steps in, steps up to the plate, swing and a miss yet again. One of my quotes of the day here, he says, well, if you ever want to, uh, I don't know, stay a night away from the place, maybe give me a call. Well, stranger things have happened. No, wait, they really haven't. To be fair, though, there's a little bit of like, hey, do you want to spend the night with me? But it more to me reads of like, hey, you know, if you need to get the fuck out of there. See, that's the route that I thought he was taking with it. Yeah, like my couch is always open if you need a place to crash sometimes. But it's still, it was he really rode the line on that. It really felt... In the end, more like he was being very much Mr. Eyebrows. Like, hey, if if your bed gets cold and you need a quick romp through the park, no time for the in and out, just checking the meter, love. Kind of shit. <laughs> you know? It very easily could have gone that route. And had this been Xander, it would have went that route. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to respect that kind of forwardness, I suppose. He's, he's persistent and keeps it behind the Xander line. Excuse me, I greatly respect that kind of forwardness because that's the game I play. Right? I just, I'm like, hey, I like you. Let's do things. Let's yeah. go out. Fuck coy. <laughs> that's that's forward and direct, though. And that's, I think, much more acceptable. Oh, uh, yeah. When you're saying directly what you want and you're not making lewd innuendos constantly like he is. Oh, uh, yeah, true. Um, Whatever. But yeah, not nice guy Xander territory quite. Not not quite. Right on the border. Not yet. We'll see. So she fucks off. Doyle runs over to Angel for emotional support. I don't know what hunting school Doyle went to, but he's been sorely misinformed on how to pick what trees to bark up. <laughs> <laughs> Good phrasing. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and Angel specifically... Tells Doyle a little bit of Cordy's history, and, uh, excuse me, but he knows a lot more than I would have figured he knows. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's never had any romantic interest in Cordelia, as far as I can ever tell. Nor has he ever seemed to care about her existence at all until they decided to make her a character on his show. My best guess is a lot of his knowledge is gleaned from Buffy. I guess just because he didn't talk to or about her much doesn't mean he wasn't paying attention. 
And, and he was doing a lot of lurking around. He's very lurky. He's a lurky, <laughs> lurky boy. Um, he's not a lurky ledge boy, but he's a lurky boy. Um, he's still a lurky ledge boy. I lurk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Doyle's pressing him for information on Cordelia. He's still doing the same shit from like episode one. Yeah. Where he's trying to get information out of Angel so that he can use it to try and get with Cordelia. And so Angel's like, well, I know she can't type or file. Until today, I had some hope regarding the phone. (laughs) I mean, we've already been through the rant about her not being able to type. That's, I think, a demeaning fucking character choice for her. It really is. It, It does not do her character justice. She's smarter than that. She took computer classes. She can fucking type. I truly think that the entire purpose of this episode is to fix that problem i hope so i don't know about the the hard office skills issue it it definitely fixes some of where she's at emotionally and mentally yeah uh because she's got some issues like she's definitely been on the downward slope since her last season on buffy since her family lost all their money yeah Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) But frankly, it's kind of what she needed to help get her head out of her ass. But we'll we'll get more into that later this episode. Yeah, Because that's what this episode's all about, is is us recognizing that she's been getting her comeuppance for basically season one of Buffy. Because season one of Buffy Cordelia was a bitch. Yeah. Like, there's no two ways, ifs, ands, or buts about it. She was just a fucking horrible human being. So, just wrapping up this scene, Angel gives Doyle the rundown on her past, that she ran her high school because she created this group called the Cordettes, which was just a bunch of girls from wealthy families. Yeah, part of his line I thought was kind of clever. He said, it was like the Soviet secret police if they cared a lot about shoes. (laughs) Also, this is definitely the first time I'm hearing the word Cordettes. I don't think that was a thing before. But, hey, backstory, whatever, sure, why not? It's It's got to be just something that was going around the school, and he heard it from Buffy in passing once. We cut to Cordelia's apartment. A true shit show if you ever saw one. <laughs> Cockroaches everywhere. She handled now, it really well for a moment. I've lived in some really shitty places. Mm-hmm. I have never lived in this shitty of a place. It is a shitty apartment. I hope for everybody's sake that very few people have ever lived in this shitty of an apartment, but maybe that's my silver spoon talking. I have lived close to shitty like this. And I say say silver spoon only in terms of like white privilege because I still grew up in a trailer park. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, I have upper middle class roots, but I grew up lower class. Now... The closest I've ever been to living in a place like this, I almost ended up having to live in this place. Mm -hmm. My friend lived in it. The person who owned the house was pretty much a hoarder. There were trails to walk through this house. (laughs) Paths through the junk. Oh, I know. I know the kind of house you're talking about. Yeah. My friend fucking, for some reason, lived in this place. I almost ended up living there. Briefly, I found a solution otherwise. Thank Gord. At the time, I didn't have a car, so I couldn't have lived in my car. Mm-hmm. And I would have chosen to live in a car versus living in this place. But the big thing that was, like, awful about it was there were so many fleas, you could see them. Oh. 
All right, I need to take a poll right now. How many of you just vomited hearing that? I'll set up a poll on Twitter when we post the episode. We want feedback on that. It was fucking awful. I cat-sitted at a house one time where I would not go in there without plastic bags tied around my feet. Yeah, Um, this was that kind of place. Yeah, just because it made it easier to see if there were fleas on me. I once went over there, and I didn't go in, and I was wearing, like, light blue jeans, and I was standing on the porch. My friend comes out, and he's holding the door open, And I happened to look down and I saw specks of black appearing on my jeans Mm. as fleas came from inside and jumped onto my legs. All right. This whole episode (laughs) is just going to be one-upping flea stories. So when I was was five years old and uh, my dad fucked off and divorced my mom and we had to find a new place. We this was when we moved into a trailer park and the first house that we looked at ended up being the house that we got. It was totally empty. Me and my brother ran into one of the bedrooms and I, I don't know if we were like playing cards or jacks or something. We were playing a game or something on one of these bare bedroom floors and we were sitting there cross legged and only there for a minute before I realized, oh, there's little black dots crawling all over me. What are those? Please. That was yeah. my first experience with fleas ever. It was so innocent. It's awful. Fleas yeah. are fucking awful. At least the place was empty for us to bomb the place, but we never truly got rid of them. Oh, you you can never truly get rid of them. But yeah, Cordy's place, the faucet is broken. It sprays a bunch of rusty ass gross water on her and she goes I to... thought it was haunted water for a moment. <laughs> no, just, just gross. Just gross. <laughs> She sits down and she goes to turn the TV on and the TV doesn't work right, by the way, but also it's covered in cockroaches. Yeah. And then she discovers that the floor is also covered in cockroaches. Yeah. Half of which she's already stepped on and are dead. I don't know how she didn't notice that. They make a very disgusting crunch. Never had to encounter cockroaches that large. Fuck me sideways. The only place I've ever seen cockroaches (laughs) that large are outside on the steps at uh, like a big abandoned building. Um, But it's gross. She resorts in calling Doyle. Yeah, so stranger things have happened, it turns out. (laughs) And this is what it takes to get Cordelia to call Doyle to go stay at his place. It makes perfect sense that Cordy is terrified of bugs. You remember her encounter with the bug dude? Ooh, I mean, you don't need that excuse to be, yeah, that, oh, where he, he was, but he was maggots. It was still a fuck ton of bugs. Yeah. Like that would have an, that would have a lasting effect on your psyche. I would still be terrified of cockroaches, (laughs) no matter how large or small, especially if there were that many of them. Yeah. Any amount of cockroaches in your house is too fucking many. She gets a free pass regardless. Right. I'm just saying this is this is good characterization here. Irregardless, <laughs> Rex. Uh, I don't want to share my feelings. I don't want to open up. I want to find the guy that killed Tina. And I want to look him in the eye. Then what? Then I'm gonna share my feelings. So cut to Doyle's house. <laughs> 
where he's rushing for the phone as Cordy's calling him, but he can't quite get to it because his spiky-faced brethren is standing in the corner playing the dramatic orchestra cues, which leads me to believe... intimidating looking. He is. (laughs) Yeah, it's especially intimidating when somebody is a one-man orchestra and you didn't know that they were playing that night. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it leads me to believe that perhaps his past is catching up with him. Yeah? Opening sequence. Yeah. He just says hi or something. What does he say? Hello. Uh, I think or, he just says something. hello, Doyle. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he seems perfectly polite to me. <laughs> I don't see what you're scared of, Doyle. <laughs> Whiner. Opening sequence. And after the opening sequence, we're back in Doyle's apartment. This demon dude, which we don't have a name yet, but his name turns out to be Griff. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. Um, Griff is there to collect on a debt. Mr. Demon Head here is a knee breaker. <laughs> I was calling him old demon boy, but I like that. Okay. Mr. Demon Head. <laughs> the spikes pop out of my mouth, the Mr. Demon Head. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe spikes do pop out of his mouth. Ooh, we didn't get to see that. They definitely pop out of his jaw. It's close enough, really. What were you saying about him? Other than the way he, he looks? He's you, a knee breaker. You racist bastard. No, it has nothing to do with that. He's a knee breaker. Oh. He's a bruiser. An absolute knee breaker. He he collects debts for loan sharks. You're and a git. Such people. An absolute knee breaker. <laughs> as many references as we can make to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I think wins us more points towards yeah. I don't know, Karma, Stairway to Heaven. It's a good song. It's an okay song. Somebody told me that once. It was probably it's an okay Wayne, song. It was Wayne's World. Yeah. Yeah. No stairway denied <laughs> uh so doyle runs to he's he's all slick he's like oh come over here i got your money it's right here in this drawer and he's the old demon spiky boy slams his hand in the drawer he's like you wouldn't be dumb enough to have a gun in there would you and he's like who me no deadly deadly do and he doesn't have a gun he just uses the drawer as a weapon and just whacks him in the face with the drawer i assumed he did have a gun in there and he just didn't have time to grab it because he, he needed to whack him in the face with the drawer and run. It worked. Yeah. He got away. Weirdly, it did. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't run after him. That's a weird thing in this show. It, They're like, yeah, eh, it's, he's got uh, a five second lead. I can't compete with that. Well, maybe Doyle's a bit faster and stronger being half demon. Maybe. Kinda. I mean, yeah, but this guy's full demon. Maybe he, maybe he's a, a weak demon. Like the fear demon. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Griff definitely seems... You know, he's a grunt. He's a strength demon and an intimidation demon, not a speed demon. (laughs) 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 I I, I see what you did there. I wasn't even trying to do that. So he runs. He goes. (laughs) He gets away. Yep. He runs for the hills. Cut back to Angel's place. Cordy barges in and says, hey, I'm living here. (laughs) Yeah. Hurricane Cordelia whirlwinds her way into living with Angel temporarily. Hard air quotes. She's so demanding and distressed that Angel can't make heads or tails of the situation. And I think she even manages to take his bed and leave him on the couch. Yeah. I mean, why doesn't he sleep in a coffin anyway? It's like he's not even a fucking vampire at all. He is a civilized vampire. Thank you very much. And it just seems safer to sleep in a coffin. Well, no, actually, I think it wouldn't be safer to sleep in a coffin. That would that would muffle the sound of the room. Yeah, but he's got such advanced senses anyway. 
It shouldn't matter. Also, like, if you walked into his basement apartment and saw a coffin there, you're like, holy shit, he's a vampire. Yeah. Where if there's, he's just in a bed, you wouldn't know. And you could just kind of walk up and clamp it shut and toss him in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Just start nailing the shit shut. He's right? fucked. Yep, he's fucked. <laughs> there it goes. But All no, right. Cor- Cordy comes in and steamrolls right the fuck over Angel. He barely gets two words in. Barely. And she's like, oh, I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> I mean, I expected her. I expected him to offer her a shower anyway. He didn't even get a chance. Though. He didn't even get a chance. She kept basically implying that he needs to go get her suitcase out of the hallway. That kind yeah. of bothered me. I'm like, why is this funny? It's it's just really rude. But, but I got a quote of the day here uh, towards the tail end of their little conversation. Shower's in here, right? Do you have moose? Oh, of course you do. Of course you do. I liked that as well. So next morning, Doyle shows up. Not really sure where he was all night, but uh, anyway, it's 10 a.m. now, according to his wristwatch. And uh, he was probably, you know, running around trying to make sure that he lost the guy before he went back to Angel's. Probably knows some dives where he could hang out and lay low for a minute. That's my assumption anyway. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to lead the bruiser back to the fucking office. Right. He's smarter than that. <laughs> so he finds Cordelia trying to see her own reflection in a teapot. <laughs> I like the little joke here that Angel doesn't have any mirrors. Oh, right. It Like, that's a good nod. I yeah, like that. She, she said, would it kill him to not see himself? <laughs> that actually would be a real mind fuck. I wouldn't want mirrors around. Oh, God, no. I wouldn't either. <laughs> if I were a vampire. Fuck that. I would, but it, I would want to not remember that I'm can't see myself in the mirror as much as possible it brings up the question how does he groom himself so effectively i mean short hair bedhead style Pfft, that's easy they've never established if vampires need to shave in the whedon verse that i that's know of. true i don't think he does need to we've seen him with facial hair in the in flashbacks though um oh really yeah ah fuck oh well so <laughs> i liked i liked the bit here it was a nice little uh, sitcom-y sort of double scenario it going really on. Is. Cordy says, hey, Doyle. And she's sitting there in her robe. She says, you ever get that feeling that you just can't shower enough? Like something's happened and <laughs> you're never going to get clean? As fucking Angel walks up in these boxer briefs and a robe. And it's totally like they just boinked. And he's like, how did we get peanut butter on the bed? Oh, my God. <laughs> What were you doing in there? Uh, so I kind of liked I liked the double entendre that they were playing on. But then Doyle, not surprisingly, gets really butthurt. And it was set up to be taken the wrong way, but he gets way too butthurt and entitled about it. It's problematic. Like, jealousy, sure. But, I mean, she wasn't yours to begin with, right. Doyle. Um, but Angel sets him straight and he's like, oh, well, that's okay then, I guess. His whole line, it's not really a quote of the day, but... He says, man, you know, I was crazy about her and I was wearing her down, too. But no, <laughs> handsome, brooding vampire guy has to swoop in all sensitive mouth and overhanging forehead. How about leaving some scraps for the homely looking fellows who don't turn evil when they get some? And there's just nothing not problematic about this. Like, OK, I get it. A, Doyle's a fictional character. Yeah. B, the show's over and done. C, the character's dead. But Doyle. You don't wear someone down to date them. Yeah, that's not okay. Okay, let's say you have an 
you have a crush and maybe it takes time for them to realize you're you're interested and maybe that it takes time for them to realize what merits you have as a partner. Yeah. But you're not wearing them down. Yeah. And if I thought that he were joking about that, I wouldn't take any issue with it at all. But he's not he's joking really about not. it. He's really not. That line speaks a little too much truth. Yeah. The only thing that is not butthurt and entitled about this is his valid point that I don't like that this is a valid point. But by everything else that they've set up in this show, it was the sex that made him happy when he had sex right. with Buffy, not being with Buffy, which is actually what made him too happy. Yeah. But they've said it too many times to ignore. Yeah. That sex makes Angel happy. I'm just saying, though, in my head canon, Angel could have all the one night stands he damn well pleases. Oh, he absolutely could. <laughs> it's not going to make him happy. No. Absolutely not. And that is the only leg that Doyle has to stand on here, but he's still only using it as a way to be like, well, you should have let me fuck her instead. She obviously doesn't want to. Yeah. What what does her sleeping with Angel have to do with her sleeping with you? Fuck all zilch. Exactly. And and this is just another, another rendition of the whole mentality in the 90s and earlier of not giving women any sort of agency over their own goddamn body and being. Yeah, and I'll bring this up again when we get there, but he just he continues to treat her like a vending machine for sex. And he he does push into what I consider nice guy Xander territory once or twice in this episode and this yeah. is one of them. Yeah, this is when definitely he, one of them. When he mentions wearing her down and oh you should throw a guy a bone sometime and like no that's not how it works. She's a person. Dear literally every single fucking male identified anybody. Nobody owes you a fucking orgasm. Mic drop. Don't do that. They're expensive. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> and mine's attached to a sign. Uh, or Mine's attached to a stand. So I'm not doing anything with it. This here ends the soapbox <laughs> moment for real. Yes. Uh, Cordy comes back back blaming angel for the peanut butter on the bed and his response is very apt i don't eat yeah (laughs) there's also problematic behavior coming from cordelia not as bad as nice guy doyle nowhere near as bad not not nearly as bad but it's still a little bit gaslighting honestly like we fucking know it was you cordelia the jig is up just take responsibility please the thing is though is We've seen Angel eat. There were scenes in Buffy that Angel ate things. Yeah. What do you call drinking coffee? That too. Yeah. We know like Spike eats a cookie at some point. I can't think of any instances of Angel eating, but I'm believing you. I believe you. I I might be thinking of Spike, but I know we've seen we've seen vampires eat things not blood. Yeah. They definitely are able to. It's not what we do in the shadows where they projectile vomit for five hours if they have so much as a crumb of bread, which is hilarious. You should that watch. sounds not funny and just gross. I uh, mean, it only happens once or twice. The whole show is hilarious. You need to watch I, it. It's on my list, man. It's great. It's on I, my list. Whatever. I'm, me, I'm just saying, when you, whenever you get to it. So yeah, she's basically gaslighting him over, over some peanut butter and it's supposed to be funny, endearing. I don't get it, but whatever. Moving along. Doyle asked Cordy if she answered the phone from anybody for him. She did, 
the guy said he was his cousin. And this is problematic, too, because instead of telling her it was a money-collecting thug, he just says, um, why didn't you, you know, give me some warning so I could neat the place up a bit? Like, Or you yeah. could just tell her that, hey, now there's some thug on your ass because you didn't follow proper office place protocol. Rule number one of fucking phone business etiquette, you don't give out fucking addresses to randos. Ever. Uh, yeah, they're both in the fault here. Absolutely. <laughs> but there's some bickering that goes back and forth. And just at the moment where I'm like, oh, God, can they just stop? They stop because Angels comes in and is like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Mom, Dad, <laughs> stop fighting. <laughs> Which Angel's definitely the dad in the situation. Well, yeah. I still would have laughed my ass off if Angel had come in and said, Mom, Dad, stop fighting. <laughs> You're not my real dad. But Angel Angel notices the bruise on Doyle's hand. He wonders what's up with that. And then the last scene is he's a little mad that Cordy left a wet towel on his leather chair. Yeah, pretty superficial for as broody and old as he is. <laughs> but To be fair, I happen to know what goes into cleaning and repairing leather furniture. I just and fuck that. can't imagine that Angel would bother. But anyway, Doyle lies about... The bruise, he says, it's from playing badminton. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, and they just accept that. I think he just, he's like, oh, Doyle's lying again. I'm just going to leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way Angel doesn't know that Doyle is outright lying. Way too perceptive about that shit. Like, look at him. He wears a lounge lizard shirt and a brown leather coat. Yeah. I don't see Angel putting on tights. Oh, now I do, and it's really disturbing. Protecting young women such as yourself? Oh, yeah, there's been uh, four. And three of them are very much alive. So we cut to the kitchen a little bit later, I think. Where Cordy is just cutting a fucking hole in the linoleum floor. I thought she was lying when she said, well, I might be here for a while, so I'm just checking it to see if there's hardwood floors under here. I don't think she was joking. Or lying. I don't think she was joking I at think all. She was legitimately checking for hardwood floors. Yeah, either that or she's trying to harvest linoleum so she can seduce young men. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would only work on Xander, and she's been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, but I guess she. You're right. You know, he was still her first boyfriend. She might not know it only works on Xander. <laughs> right. Maybe she's trying to get some leverage for her next audition. She learned some very inaccurate <laughs> things about young men with Xander. And she some just, very accurate things. She just goes to the next audition covered in linoleum. <laughs> <laughs> Every guy in the place just needs clean pants all of a sudden. <laughs> well, everything I've learned needs to be reassessed. All right. So Doyle takes a run down Cordelia's memory lane because she's unpacked her trophies and high school diploma, which is a little bit singed. Yeah. And she displayed them for all to see on the kitchen shelf. Whatever. They chat about that for a minute. She's like, yeah, it was a rough ceremony. Because <laughs> <laughs> the mayor turned into a giant snake and there was a war literally between vampires and demons yeah. and kids. And, you know, blowing the school up. Yeah. What a way to end your tenure at fucking high school, man. Yeah, I'm surprised they got their diplomas at all, frankly. Yeah, 
So Angel barges in. He announces, oh, yeah. He announces there's a big guy <laughs> here to see Doyle. And Doyle's like, oh, that's great. Runs off, fucks off. Right out the back door. Right out the back door. Angel's hilarious here. He he beats him to wherever he's going. He must have used some super demon vampire speed for this one. Oh, yeah. So he knows that Angel set him up, and he's like, all right, look, here's here's how it works. I owe some people. Other people owe me. I do a favor for some guy, and the debt goes away. It's a system of checks and balances. And some of your checks didn't balance. (laughs) (laughs) Angel's like, you know what, Doyle? I'll help you. But you have to help me with my problem. Oh, what problem could that be? (laughs) Get her the hell out of my apartment. (laughs) And I like this because Angel's too fucking nice to be like, Cordy, get the fuck out. He is. (laughs) Well, he needs her. Well, right, but like he doesn't want to be like too nice. Yeah, yeah, he's too nice. He he wants her to be taken care of, but he doesn't want her in his space. And as somebody who relatively recently in their life realized how important it is to have one's own space mm-hmm. and have control over that space, I totally understand where Angel is coming from. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I think he would have helped Doyle similarly without any sort of quid pro quo right but he happens to be (laughs) in a situation where that works out so quid pro quo here we are here doyle have a problem that i know you can solve and i will take care of the problem that you can't solve yeah it works and that's an episode there it is yeah that's pretty much the rest of the episode (laughs) that's the rest of the episode so they decide to help each other out doyle finds cordelia in apartment Angel helps Doyle with his debt collectors, and there's a montage. Oh, but first, Cordy needs some linoleum glue. Because <laughs> there wasn't, it all in st- fact, hardwood floors under that linoleum. It all just started curling up. I don't know why. <laughs> then there was a montage! It's not quite a montage, but it's close. Yeah, it's as close as it can get while still being able to hear the lines that are happening. So we get a shithole apartment that isn't much different than her original apartment. Some fat bald guy lets them into a super dingy studio with a bed and a bare mattress. Ew, bed bugs much? Next. And then the next one is a cult. Some scrawny Weasley looking dude pulls back a curtain to reveal a sink and toilet. I had to write this down because they gave this nothing character a funny bit. They come down there and Cordy's like, I don't want to have this much lack of privacy. I don't remember how she worded it, but the dude's telling her that she can join their group thing at 5 a.m. And she's like, oh, that's just too early for me. And his line is, oh, you'll be up. The chanting starts at four. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Next. Yeah, I think not. In the third place. Decent looking place. But a giant creepy man inquires to her singality and assures her she can rest easy, knowing that he's the only other soul in the building with a key to that door. Mmm, boy. Doesn't scream rapist at all. No, not even a little bit. He reminded me of uh, Fatty Arbuckle. Refresh my memory of who Fatty Arbuckle is. Yeah, Fatty Arbuckle, there was an infamous case surrounding Fatty Arbuckle and a woman that he was known to have been found in the bedroom with her and she was she ended up having a punctured bladder 
What? A, yes, a punctured bladder that she died from uh, only a few days later. And it was assumed that he raped her, but they could never really prove it. And I don't know. The story's all over the place. Everybody's stories change constantly every Ugh, day. And gross. it seems most likely that he definitely raped her. But there's also some compelling evidence that he actually didn't. So all I know is this landlord is a creepy, creepy fuck. And oh, my God. Don't live there. Yeah, he reminds me of Fatty Arbuckle. That's all I'm saying. Definitely, <sighs> definitely, yeah, definitely don't live there. Um, but yeah, at this point, Cordy's like, hey, so Doyle, you said you know a guy? Yeah. He's like, finally, what is wrong with you and Angel? You got to do everything the hard way. <laughs> I diedly, diedly do. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it, honestly. <laughs> um... Cut to Doyle's apartment where Angel is searching and promptly gets attacked by old demon boy, Griff. What were you calling him? Mr. Dem Demonhead? Mr. Demonhead. Spikes pop out of my mouth, the Mr. Demonhead. <laughs> and then we cut back to apartment hunting. Apartment number four. Which is a really fucking great apartment. Oh my gosh, have you ever seen anything so beautiful? And Doyle responds, looking directly at Cordelia's ass. No. Never. Was he looking at her ass? Oh, right at her ass, dude. I didn't notice. I I knew. I could tell he was looking at Cordelia. I didn't know, notice Maybe he was looking, he was at, her looking at her back or the back of her head. I think he was looking at her ass. Maybe I'm just applying too much negative. Maybe. Who knows, negativity. though? Who the fuck knows with the way this character's been written thus far? Yeah, I don't know. The point is, though, it is... A really fucking nice apartment for apparently a steal of a price. Comes with furniture. Pretty nice furniture, too. Yeah. Like, I've seen a few furnished apartments, and they never have that nice of furniture. Right. Well, it's a bit of a red flag here. It's like, hmm, I wonder why it's fully furnished. Perhaps the last tenant fucked off a little quickly. Right? Hmm. Obviously, there must be some sort of catch, but no. There's no catch. No catch at all. They didn't even ask how much it costs. I mean, maybe they knew before they went in. The point being, it's an apartment that is way fucking nicer than Cordy can remotely truly afford. Yet, it's affordable enough for her. Yes. And then, the first thing she does, as soon as the property manager leaves, Cordelia doesn't even flinch. And she's like, well, I'm going to hire somebody to break that wall down. <laughs> I'm like, it's a rental property. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't just go modifying fucking structures in the building. I did like the little bit here where Doyle's like, I thought the place was perfect. And Cordy's like, yeah, it's perfect because there's at least one thing I want to change. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, and that must be why you're so into me or some shit. Yeah, I didn't like his his rebuttal line. But I I liked the idea that a place that's perfect for me is a place that has the potential to be exactly what I want, not necessarily is exactly what I want, because I like the process of making something into exactly what I want. Sure, I can get on board with that. Fun. So they all fuck off. We zoom in on the wall that Cordelia wanted to break down, and of course a fucking face pops out of it in that awesome elastic wall effect. Yeah. You know, it's that nice practical effect. And yeah, I love practical effects so much. So the house is haunted. Oh, look, the place is haunted. Yeah, who saw that come in? <laughs> Me. Can I just say 
This is an old school, very basic effect. And I fucking love it. Still a really, I, I honestly don't think they pulled it off as well as they could have, but it's still a good effect. And it used to really get me when I was a kid, but now I just, I know that it's just a piece of elastic in the wall and somebody yeah. sticks their face in it. Yeah, and it's like a felt elastic that's painted and colored to look like the wall. And you, if you do it right, it can be really fucking convincing. Yeah, the first time I remember coming across this effect, I want to say it was House on Haunted Hill. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe the or maybe it was the Frighteners. Oh God, the Frighteners was so good. That was a fun fucking movie. God, I haven't seen that in forever. Ever because the the concept was brand new to me of a yeah. face coming through the wall. It's like, but it's wood. It shouldn't be able to move it like that. Oh, that's so crazy and scary. And then I was at a Halloween shop one time, and they um they had part of their wall rigged, or no, they had a fixture that looked like a picture frame that you could rig up on your wall, so that you can nice. if you have a spot set up properly, you can do that in like a haunted house. I, uh, one of the early times in my life that I went to a haunted house, I was like, I want to say 14, 15 at the oldest. They had a wall that did that. But honestly, the best thing that that haunted house did was, uh, they had a dude that had a chainsaw, but the chain was removed from it. Mm -hmm. So he, he, like, it was real chainsaw, but no chain. And he fucking chased after us with the real chainsaw. (laughs) That was convincing. (laughs) I worked at a haunted house where they did that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was very convincing. I think somebody legitimately shat their pants one night, and uh, those psychopathic douchebags would not stop ranting about how awesome they thought that was. Uh, I'm like, there's I don't a- go to haunted houses anymore. Yeah, there's a line, guys. Anyway, the fucking house is haunted. Obligatory haunted house episode. Woo! I wonder if there's going to be wallgasms this time. We definitely get a wall face. What about wallgasms? I don't think there's a wallgasm Only here. time will tell, Rex. It's it's disappointing. Only I don't, th- I don't think there is. Time will tell. <sighs> <laughs> Cut back to Doyle's house where Angel's getting his beat down on. He's having a grand old time with good old Demon Boy. <laughs> Pounds his ass into submission, works out a deal to get Doyle to pay his debt. Oh, hold on. He specifically he grabs Demon Head, slams him against the wall and says my name's Angel. What's yours? And the dude is being belligerent, so he slams his head back on the wall. And he says, "My name's Angel. What's yours?" <laughs> I just really loved that moment. I'm very disappointed that he didn't do it a third time. I think the third time would have been the charm. I thought it still worked the way they did it, but they could have gone for a little bit funnier. Yeah, yeah. If they had done a third time, it would have just been a little bit funnier. But this is when we find out that Demon Head's name is Griff. Mm-hmm. All I really got is that he works out a deal to get Doyle to pay his debt in exchange for his life. Because at this point, they were just going to kill Doyle because they know he doesn't have the money. Griff is confused why Angel would be helping some half-blood demon, half-breed, whatever. And it's like, well, not everybody's purely motivated by money and just as racist as you are, Griff. Apparently. Cheese. Cut back to Cordelia's place if you're done with that scene. From from this moment on, in my notes, I I dubbed it Cordelia's Haunted Apartment. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's accurate. Yes. So she's sleeping. The radio turns on. To some oldies. And it's switching channels. 
at first. I don't know if it just switched right to the oldies channel, whatever. Well, it, it searched through a couple of channels and then it went to the oldies and then... Uh, What's creepier than the oldies? I don't know. Not much. <laughs> Her dresser drawer opens and clothes start coming out. And then we see the shadowy figure looming over her bed and it whispers what do you think you're doing here you never should have come and then the drawer slams shut waking up cordy yeah and she's like what the fuck i think my place is haunted (laughs) then we cut back to angel's place where uh doyle isn't happy that angel agreed for him to pay the money Yeah, he's kind of confused why Doyle is fine with living in fear and running from debt collectors. Um, Doyle explains that it keeps his expectations from getting too high, which Angel understands, but he doesn't understand why it's important to Doyle. And I thought that was an interesting point. Yeah. Which I would also like to know why that's important to Doyle. And the, I mean, the big thing here is that Angel points out is he doesn't have a choice to live like that. It's his curse. It's just the curse. Yeah. Literally is the only reason. Exactly. Really, he doesn't have anything else haunting his him from his past. But Doyle has people from his past haunting him. Apparently. But they leave the mystery wide open, even at the end of the episode. But this is where we start to establish that there's definitely more to Doyle than meets the eye. Um, yeah, that's, and that's pretty much that scene. And then and we got another nice guy alert here because Doyle dodges Angel's question when he's like, well, I don't understand why it's important to you. He says, well, things aren't all gloom in Doyle City. I mean, oh, yeah, that there's bright nice. spots like Cordelia. I mean, she loves that new place so much, man. She's going to be so grateful for a long, long time. Uh, big red flag. Dude putting all his positive hopes on a woman. And he's putting all of his favor coins into his sex vending machine. Yeah. Yeah. Gross, Doyle. This this should be enough. Isn't this enough payment? I got you an apartment. Yeah. Do I get the sex yet? His whole fucking tone is that, like, oh, great. We're going to have to fucking deal with him milking that one for a long fucking time. Right. Exactly. Judging by your uncomfortableness, I would say you're either about to ask me out on a date or you need a favor. Well, see, the thing about detectives is they have resumes and business licenses and last names. Pop stars and popes, those are the one-name guys. So, cut back to Cordy's haunted apartment. She turns off the radio to hear, like, an odd scraping noise in the distance. Um, Tries to turn on her lamp, but it won't turn on. That's a nightmare right there. Right? And then her fucking glass of water on her nightstand boils. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That was creepy. Oh, man. That was awesome. Oh, I love that. And then the fucking bed floats. Yeah, her bed starts to levitate. And the way Cordelia handles this, I think, is hilarious for the next couple (laughs) scenes. And it starts here. She says, I knew this was too good to be true. I just knew it. I'm from Sunnydale. You're not scaring me, you know. You're not scaring me, not one bit. But just the I'm I'm from Sunnydale, goddammit. Fucking veteran. To be fair, she's not wrong. She's the, not. Like she definitely handles this a lot better than literally any other normie person would. Oh, absolutely. So cut to the morning with one of our quintessential dramatic transitions. <laughs> right. 
son and like it's super creepy that the bed floated and everything but it's way creepier that it floated till morning (laughs) (laughs) right it's still that had to be one hell of a long night man (laughs) right and she's still just sitting there wide awake on her levitating bed would you get off it (laughs) i wouldn't fucking move man I would fucking stay right there. I think I would have, at some point, tried to make a break for it. See, the moment I would be like, oh, maybe I should jump off the bed and go, I would think, but wait, is there something under the bed holding the bed up? Right, and <laughs> sure, maybe there there probably is, but uh, I still would... <laughs> In that type of situation, I would just plot, plot it out in my head. I'd be like, I'm bolting for the door and beeline into the front door. Or maybe I can make it out the window. I don't know. I would not have sat there and waited all <laughs> fucking night. That's impressive. I probably would have. So the bed finally drops to the floor. She looks, she's really pissed off. <laughs> and she goes to her medicine cabinet, closes it again, and bam, ghost bitch is behind her. Cordy doesn't even see her. Nope. I'm like, wow, this is the worst haunting ever already. <laughs> It amps up very fast, though. There's no subtlety to it whatsoever. None at all. And in the middle of the day? Come on. Right? It's the weird haunting. Come on, ghost. Have some fucking class. <laughs> exactly. At least be inactive during the day. Yeah. Let her get some shit done, you know? Haunting a place is more about, like, you rattle them, and then you let them settle in and relax. Yeah. And then you rattle them again, and then you let them relax. And then you and you just keep this cycle of constantly rattling them after they relax. At least gaslight her into thinking that maybe she's just having bad dreams. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Or imagining shit. <laughs> so, Cordy's handling this ghost like she <laughs> handles everything else, though. With demoralizing ridicule. <laughs> Oh, oh, you're a ghost. Big accomplishment. <laughs> Go towards the light, asshole. <laughs> Ooh, a cold breeze. What are you going to do? Chap me to death? <laughs> I really fucking loved that line. And great timing. Doyle and Angel are at the door with a cactus as a housewarming gift. <laughs> tiny a tiny little cactus. It's a cute little cactus. It's so tiny. And she actually tries to turn them away. Well, if that isn't just modern suburban culture for you. (laughs) Sorry, the place is a mess. Don't mind the poltergeist. I'm just all in a dither. Uh, Jeez. Well, and she's trying to play it off like nothing's wrong so that she can be try hard air quotes, be happy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I get why she's doing it. I just think it's hilarious. I'm like, that's really... You're going really far here. For There's this. this great moment when the ghost throws scissors at the back of Angel's head and he steps away just in time for her to grab them out of the air. Right. I was like, how did he not see that? But I guess more importantly, how did he not see it? And she caught them. She's just human. <laughs> That's how bad she wants this apartment. <laughs> But no, I think it was funny that he just walks right in and she's like, hey, don't I have to invite you? Well, she did earlier in the episode. Yeah. But it was before she had the apartment, but they totally call that out. It was a little bit of fourth wall breaking. You said when you got a place, I was completely invited over. And she's like, what? I didn't even have a place then. These rules are getting all screwed up. (laughs) I think that they were trying to break the fourth wall on that one. Yeah. Which is ironic because... 
there's an extra wall in this apartment. There is. It's got some shit going on with it. <laughs> <laughs> See what they did there? Uh-huh. And so Doyle closes the curtain, and she gets all weird about it, even though he's just blocking out light so Angel doesn't turn to dust. Never yeah. mind how he got there in the first place in right. the fucking middle of the day. I'm sorry, but this is fucking L.A., and there is not shade in L.A. Right. I've been to L.A. Even if It's just hot and sunny. Even if they're driving Spike's car. Like, what? If I were a vampire, you know where I wouldn't live? Southern California. Right? It's just fucking sunny all the goddamn time. Why would you live in, su- in Southern California? I don't know. I also wouldn't want to live in Philadelphia. Because it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh. <laughs> you know where else it's sunny all the time, Rex? Where? At the Plot Hole Emporium! <laughs> Welcome back! Where it's always sunny at the Plot Hole Emporium! Ever think to yourself, boy, we'd love to have a main character that's dark and broody and can only go to places at night, but then realize that all the characters they interact with are only up during the daytime. Well, for the low, low price of your artistic integrity, you can just throw your own stupid fictional rules to the wind with reckless abandon. (laughs) You keep on plotting, we'll keep on not rhyming with the word holes. So she gives him the nickel tour. Where the fuck do you pull this shit out of your ass from, man? I don't know, man. It just comes to me. It just comes to me. God, <laughs> she gives him the nickel tour of the apartment, which is literally just, uh, well, there's the kitchen. Here's the wall I'm going to break down. That's about it. Get the fuck out. Yeah. One of her trophies from the mantle lunges at Doyle. Yeah. It's like, hey, stop being a nice guy, asshole. Like... This is, again, a a place where the ghost completely fails because you have to make it so that the the people who visit her think she's crazy. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. No nuance in this ghost. No. Whatsoever. Very little. Um, She'd have been successful if she had just an ounce of nuance. Yeah. And subtlety and just had any skill whatsoever at gaslighting. But yeah, the shit hits the fan really hard, really quick here in in Cordy's new haunted apartment. Yep. And they're like, oh shit, we got to get the fuck out. I thought it was funny that Angel mentioned, he's like, I don't know how you can afford this place. Right. It's like, well, you're the one that doesn't want to fucking pay any of your employees (laughs) for this business that you've started. Anyway, yeah, shit escalates quickly. So really, the, the part that makes Doyle and Angel go, oh fuck, this place haunted as fuck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that wall, the wall, slowly bleeds the word die. Yeah, I just think it's hilarious how she's handling this. Just like she was handling it earlier. She's like, I am not giving up this apartment. Angel's like, it's haunted. It's rent controlled. <laughs> I love where her priorities are. It's hilarious. I'm right there with her. <laughs> right? I would live in a haunted house if I could fucking afford it. Christ. <laughs> and uh, Doyle's like, Cordy, it says die. <laughs> hey, maybe it's not done. Maybe it's diet. That's friendly. A little judgmental. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, there's some more. Trying of that. to look on the bright side, though. That's honorable. <laughs> yeah, right? She's really <laughs> desperate for a place to live. You got to respect that. Definitely. 
But yeah, her her leaving line in this scene is one of my quotes of the day. She goes, listen good, Casper. You haven't won a thing. I'll die before I give you this apartment. I'll die! (laughs) This was where the episode kind of lost me. As they leave... We get this sweet little old lady voice disembodied in the apartment going, All right, dearie, if that's what you think is best. That's so lame. Well, they can't make it legitimately scary. It's the least scary ghost. I Why not? Why can't they make it legitimately scary? <laughs> Primetime, man. I guess. It, it was Children th- might watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Won't somebody think of the children? No. <laughs> We don't think of the children. Matter of fact, do not let your children listen to our podcast. Nobody thought of me when I was a child. <laughs> Why should I think about your children? <laughs> anyway. anyway, cut to Angel Investigations, where Cordy is worried that she is being punished for her behavior in high school. Where she was being such a bitch. This is a direction I didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. It is a direction that, in retrospect, reads very strongly with the character. If you look back at uh, season three of Buffy mm-hmm. and the things that happened with her after Xander, with her parents losing their money and her struggles and moving to L.A. and failing repeatedly, failure after failure and ending up in a shithole place and everything, I can look at this... And I don't know if they legitimately were trying to write it this way, but this moment where she's like, this is just punishment for how I was as a person, reads so painfully true and beautifully done. I think it's just impressive that she recognizes that she was acting poorly and badly and unacceptably. Yeah. Back in the day, almost like she thinks that she needs to be punished because why else would she think that she's being punished? She's not. It's just shitty circumstances. Yeah. Or not even thinking that she needs to be punished so much as thinking that somebody else or some ethereal force thinks that she needs to be punished. Right. And understanding why they would think that definitely is all just a pile of cues leading up to her understanding there's evidence that she understands that she was a shitty person yeah if nothing else this moment right here shows impressive character growth it does yeah she just wants all that punishment to be over well guess what welcome to being normal Life kicks your ass until you don't deserve it anymore, and then it keeps kicking your ass because it can. You're just on the other side of the stick now, Cordy. Yeah. It's called not having money. <sighs> I've ha- I've not had money my whole life. Yeah, join the club. So Doyle finds a death associated with the apartment. And it was the original owner. The, the woman who built the building. Really? Okay. I thought she was just the first tenant, but that's neat. Well, she built the building and then moved in. Okay. Yeah, it's a little old lady who died from a heart attack in 1946 at the age of 57. Doyle goes to find some spell ingredients that Angel looked up. Cordelia sure knows how to look a gift horse in the mouth here. (laughs) Well, we knew that about her. Right? Because Doyle's like, oh, I know a guy that can get us those ingredients. Because Angel's like, well, these ingredients are, I don't know if we can pull this off. Those are really hard to find. 
It's like bile and some other shit. Did you write it down? Nope. Me either. So Cordy's response is, oh, goody, another one of Doyle's guys. Tell me, is this the same guy that helped me find my poltergeist delicious apartment? I fucking love that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this building is so poltergeist delicious. I thought they were stretching on that one, honestly. (laughs) Reaching, whatever. Well, the dad joke lover in me appreciates it greatly. Okay. It, it warms my bad joke cockles. I'm happy for you. <laughs> so I, I don't think you are. <laughs> no, no, no. This is me being happy for you. Hap, 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 happy. <laughs> so it seems like that guy is exactly the kind of guy you would want helping you expel a ghost. Right. You need some seedy underground dude. I don't know. Whatever. A person needs certain... Designer things. You shouldn't be trying to eat my friend's brains. Hey, you're a vampire. Angel goes to see Kate to see if she can find anything. And Cordelia's last line here is uh, <laughs> extra funny now. She says, little old lady ghost. How come Patrick Swayze is never dead when you need him? Well, be careful what you wish for, bitch. I mean, to be fair, this was 10 years before he died. Yes, but uh, so he died on September 14th, 2009, which is within a month, 10 years later. And also he died at the age of 57. That's a little creepy. The same age as this ghost woman. That is a creepy uh, coincidence. Yeah. What a crazy random happenstance. (laughs) (laughs) Cut to nighttime at the office. So yeah, nighttime at the office. uh, Cordy gets a phone call. What the fuck has she been doing all day? Research. Not being in a haunted apartment. (laughs) Who knows? I think not being in a haunted apartment is the most important thing she's done all day. (laughs) Definitely. So the phone seems to be Angel, and it's telling her to meet him at the apartment. Yeah. Specific note for future reference, it the answering machine answers it, and then she picks it up. Right, yeah. That becomes important later. It does. Cut to the haunted apartment. Yeah, where um, Cordy comes in and hears Angel's voice from the bedroom. Yeah, for it being a haunted apartment... She didn't even swing the door wide open and give it a cursory glance. She just slips right in and closes the door behind her. I'm like, do you want to get killed by a poltergeist? Because that's how you get killed by a poltergeist. Also, you're completely completely denying the poltergeist's ability to slam the door behind you. That's just rude. That too. (laughs) Personally, I would have taken the door off its goddamn hinges (laughs) and like taken it out to the dumpster or something <laughs> like i don't know it seems like a pretty heavy door i don't give a shit <laughs> i will drag it i would make sure that i have at least three other people there with salt filled shotgun rounds and shotguns of course so she steps into the apartment she hears angel's voice from the bedroom i'm sorry but I don't think I would be just be like, okay, I'm going to walk into the bedroom. Angel or no angel. Yeah. I think I would have been like, hey, fucker, come out here. Yeah. Why don't you <laughs> get over here? 
where there's no door because I've installed it in the dumpster. <laughs> and we can easily escape from the poltergeist inhabiting my apartment. Yeah. I really think she should have just gotten a couple pictures and taken it to the landlord and been like, you deal with this. <laughs> you know? So she goes to the bedroom and surprise, Angel's not there. Hey, it's the ghost. Who knew? Did Angel's voice coming out of her mouth seem really fucking weird to you? Yeah, that never works out very well. It is a rare exception when that effect works well. I think Terminator 2 was like the only time that worked. Terminator 2 did do it very well. Yeah, you gotta... I don't know what it is, but, you know, phonemes don't match up easily. But because it was coming out of her mouth, it came off as way cheerier to me. Yeah, well, she's got a very different accent and acting style. And like I said, the phonemes just didn't match up for that reason. That is an interesting psychological effect to me. Yeah, interesting. I'm very interested in that. This is my interested face. It it seems sarcastic to me. I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> Why does everybody always think that? You do have a, a, a very strong resting sarcastic face. I'm aware. <laughs> that was the joke. So Cordy immediately tries to escape, but can't. I think this is why you were bringing up the point of taking the door off its hinges. Yeah. What? No, that sounds dumb, Josh. It'd be too heavy. I guess you wouldn't necessarily have to take it all the way to the dumpster if you can't have any help. I mean, if you at least take it off the hinges and throw it outside, it's at least outside of the haunted house. Sure. The further away it is, the less effect, hopefully, that the ghost would be able to have on it is my point here. So she telekinetically flings Cordelia across the room into the wall or something. Which, damn, she's human. That had to hurt. (laughs) Right? I don't know. The ghost makeup was just so not good. Like, she just looks like she's wearing white makeup. She just looks pale, but not even pale pale. She just looks like she's wearing white makeup pale. Yeah. I didn't think it looked necessarily bad. It looked like the kind of thing you would see for a ghost on, like, the Disney Channel. Or an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a little too chintzy for my taste for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I feel like... That's not that high of a bar to hit. But anyway, so whatever, fuck that. So we start to get a little bit of exposition about Maud. And she says to Cordelia, Oh, you poor thing. You just don't fit in around here, do you? Too bad you wouldn't leave my son alone. I'm like, oh, great. Classic case of a very confused ghost. Cordelia's like, what? Your son? Huh? (laughs) Shit. I don't know what you're fucking talking about. Whoop, 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 whoop cut over to kate's office first we get the line from kate's transition music but pop stars and popes those are the one name guys and angel replies you got me i'm the pope <laughs> i'm the he fucking deadpans pope. it so well <laughs> <laughs> i'd be okay with angel being the pope right so anyway i mean turns- we're also not catholic so what do we care <laughs> yeah exactly so it turns out the woman's death was suspicious because her son came up missing the same day. They never caught him. They think that he murdered her and ran off with his girlfriend, fiance, whatever. Uh, Angel tells Kate to search suicides in that apartment instead of murders. And there's lots of them, at least three that they pull up right away. Yeah. And Angel calls Doyle. 
he's in the office and he finds the message uh, with Cordelia and fake Angel. And immediately the Angel's like, oh my God, that's not me. Fuck, let's go to the apartment. Yeah, and that would have been so much creepier if they'd found a way to do that before revealing to us that it was the ghost. Right? If they had just let us think that that was Angel on the phone or wonder, and then we cut to the Kate scene and the him calling yeah. Doyle, and he hears that and goes, that's not me. <gasps> that would have sent chills up my fucking spine. Yeah. Just and swap. then, then cut over to Cordelia. Yeah. Swap the scene with Kate and swap the scene with Cordy. Yep. That would have that would have been fucking choice. Mwah, that would have been amazing. Oh, man. Such a missed opportunity. You know, when we started this podcast... I didn't actually think we'd ever really reach moments where we could be like, man, we can actually improve upon something Joss Whedon wrote. <laughs> Sometimes there's moments. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is one that he wrote. Now I have to look it up. <laughs> Can't blame you. This one is actually written by Jane Espenson. So not directly written by Joss yeah. Whedon, which, you know, I'm sure he still had a hand in it. Oh, yeah. I, th I think at this point he had more of a hand of what was going on in Angel than he did in season four of Buffy. Probably. He definitely needed to be over there to make sure that things are getting along smoothly. You can't be in two places at the same time. Yeah. I God, I can't even imagine that kind of a shooting schedule. <gasps> Fuck that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I bet he was making a lot of money. <laughs> Just a lot of money. Back to the haunted apartment. Turns out old Maude really has Cordelia's number. Figuratively, as well as literally. Right. Because she says, you don't have any friends. Why would anybody care about you? Nobody really cares. You don't deserve to live here. You don't deserve anything. And Cordelia is like, oh, God, you're right. Uh. I mean, not literally. Ghost gaslighting 101? I'm not sure if it qualifies as gaslighting, but it's definitely demoralizing, at least. It's psychological torture, nonetheless. Definitely. Definitely wearing her down. That's wearing her down. Doyle, you weren't wearing her down. That's wearing her down. And we get a quick cut to Angel and Doyle in the car. Angel fills in Doyle on the way to the apartment. Angel fills in Doyle on the way to the apartment. Doyle's like, murder victim? We should have gotten more bile. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> ha! Ah. Crazy old Doyle with his bile. <laughs> Back to the apartment. Back to Cordy's new haunted apartment, where... It's not really very new, but, you know, it's I mean, new to her. It's new to her. Definitely. It counts as new still. <laughs> uh, the ghost hangs Cordy. Yeah, she's still going on with her rant. Like, there were lots of these kinds of lines. I think they were just filling time, really. She said, you're worthless. You've never been kind. You've never been smart. You're a user. You're nothing. Everyone would be glad if you were dead and it's just interesting that it's all really kind of mirroring thoughts that cordelia was starting to have about herself right anyway if you look at the history that the police had of people who committed suicide in this apartment the way we've seen the ghost react to cordy moving into the apartment everything ramped up immediately this is the next fucking day so if there were not counting cordy three fucking suicides in this apartment three deaths attributed to the ghost since she died in 1940 something 46 there's no way if the ghost was killing everyone who lived in the apartment 
it wouldn't work out that there would only be that few of deaths. I suspect that the ghost can only push specific people with specific mindsets in history towards suicide. I see where you're going with that, but I really think they were only trying to establish that there's been a long line of suicides happening in this apartment. And they were like, oh, look, two, like within six years after she died, and then a recent one. I don't think they were saying that there were only three. I think they were just like, look, there is a clear connection here. And I think there were, it was implied that there were lots more, but they just didn't say it. But that is an interesting theory. It makes the quick ramp up make significantly more sense to me that if you assume that the ghost is specifically fueled by Corey's doubt and self-loathing. I just attributed it to lazy writing. But yeah, let's go with that. Well, I am an optimist. Alrighty. <laughs> and so the, yeah, the, the ghost hangs Cordelia with a power cable from the ceiling and then fucks off. Yeah, because in comes Angel and Doyle, saving Cordy's life. I mean, frankly, it takes ages to die from hanging. They had plenty of time. Well, it takes ages from to die from hanging if you don't break your neck. Yeah, which this definitely didn't break her neck. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, don't ever hang yourself. That's an awful way to go. Also, just don't kill yourself. Please, God, don't. That's a touchy subject. So moving along. If you're feeling suicidal, there's hotlines for that, and we love you. Moving along. So Cordy's hysterical as Angel questions her. Uh, he informs her that Maud thinks she's someone who played a role in her murder, and she needs to play along because that will give her the power to stop her. It doesn't quite work out that way, though. Yeah, not really. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a fun idea. Angel says that he's going to set up the binding circle and look up this spell, but then Doyle starts setting up the binding circle, and that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. That worked out just fine. And let me tell you, Maud is pissed. She's a little upset, I think. Yeah. I'm not. What was your first clue? And All hell starts breaking loose. It's fucking hurricane in this goddamn apartment. Chaos man. ensues. Yeah, they, they start the spell, but Cordy's kind of having a breakdown. Angel gives Doyle the fastest Latin lesson I've ever seen. <laughs> right? Also, not particularly accurate. Probably not very accurate. <laughs> Probably just good enough to cast a spell with. Right. <laughs> you don't have to know what you're saying. You just have to be able to say it. Pronounce the vowels separately? What the fuck does that even mean? Right. Um, I did like the, the quick little line as as Angel's trying to like... His pep talk. Yeah, his little pep talk. It's pretty impressive. His, you're the biggest pain I've ever seen. Do it now. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Which, like, you know... Given Cordy's personality, that's valid. Right? Like, that would be good motivation for her character. I'm surprised that didn't get her locked and loaded right there. Yeah. But among other things, he was like, uh, Damn it, you're Cordelia Chase. Are you just going to lie there like a weakling? Get off your ass and be tough. Which, again, I felt like was just lazy writing. But I like the, God damn it, don't you know who you are, woman? You're Cordelia Chase. I thought it was endearing that he was yeah. trying to give her a real pep talk there. It was a shitty pep talk. Right. right. Very quickly, though, he realizes that the ritual is not working. And so they're like, oh, well, time to fucking get the hell out of here. Yep. Never mind. Let's just go. <laughs> Fall back. Fall back. 
Retreat! <laughs> run away, run away! <laughs> then the door gets knocked open, and there's three hitmen standing behind it. One of them demon head. Yeah, well, two of them have demon heads. Yeah, one of them's just human. One of them is the demon head. and so Mr. They, demon head. Mr. Demon head. <laughs> Spikes pop out of his mouth. And... <laughs> <coughs> yeah, these yeah. thugs have really shitty timing, but commercial break. I like how after they come inside, Mr. Demon head is just like, it's a ghost. Don't fucking worry about it. Just do your damn yeah. job. Oh, whatever. It's just a ghost. Yeah. Like any management ever. <laughs> exactly and they fight just a little haunted come on just do your job <laughs> it's just a little haunting it's still good it's still good <laughs> that's Cordy's attitude most of this episode yeah it's still haunted it's still good <laughs> the human guy he fucks right off I felt like he was supposed to be the boss guy wasn't he I don't think he was he was just another hitman. I think Griff is just the hitman, and the other demon was just the hitman. I think I, they were just Griff's lackeys. I guess, whatever. The demon guys are totally unaffected by the ghost. They try to shoot her. She's like, you broke it. <laughs> that cracked me up, and I have n- there's no reason why it did. It, just, it was dumb, <laughs> yeah. and it was funny. And then they fight a little bit more. She you know, does her ghost launching thing with some kitchen knives, which kill the other demon that's not Griff. Yeah. Right in the chest. Apparently, that's all it takes is cheap kitchen knives. This is when the human dude runs, which, you know, smart on him. I wouldn't have fucking stuck around. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have gotten involved with those guys in the first place, so I can't really relate, you know? Well, yeah, <laughs> valid point. During the fight, Cordy gets uh, pulled into the bedroom. On a skateboard, it would appear. Yeah. Yeah. Or some sort of very elaborate pulley system. Or a skateboard. Or both. Why not both? Why not? Yeah, you could put her on a skateboard and then use a pulley and then you... Yeah. Genius. That would work. Brilliant. (laughs) We should make movies, Josh. (laughs) Let's get right on that. So uh, the door slams behind her. She's in the bedroom alone with the ghost now who's like continues demoralizing her and trying to get her to kill herself. This time she's trying to make her tie her own noose. Right. And Cordy's like, I will fuck right off. Like, right now, I will fuck off. Yeah. Just let me fuck off. And the ghost is like, no, you've made up your mind now. You can't change it. Yeah, no, but seriously, why should she believe you, Cordy? You were putting up a pretty big fight. I don't even believe you. Right. And she makes the very big mistake of calling her a bitch. Yeah. And Cordy looks up at her, and I'm like, uh-oh. There's a twinkle in her naughty little eye. You found the button. The big red candy-like button that you're not supposed to press. And you pressed it. It it says in big bold letters, do not press. And she pressed it. And so Cordy gets up and she says, You think you're bad being all mean and haunty? Picking on poor pathetic Cordy? Well, get ready to haul your wrinkly translucent ass out of this place because, lady, the bitch is back. Yeah. So they have a bitch off and Cordy wins. (laughs) She says, I am not a sniveling, whiny little cry Buffy. I'm the nastiest girl in Sunnydale history. I take crap from no one. And then Maud's like, do you think I'm going to take that crap from trash like you? And Cordy's big old line that uh, seems to take care of the problem here says, I tell you what I think. 
I think you're going to pack your little ghost bags and get the hell out of my house. Cordy is woman, hear her roar. I like that she basically goes, quiet, polygrip. <laughs> I don't get that. What does that mean? Polygrip is paste that you put on ill-fitting dentures so that they don't move. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway, and thusly, Cordy yells the ghost out of her apartment, which is the newest location. For the Plot Hole Emporium! <laughs> Running short on time in your episode and don't really feel like finding a clever solution after writing yourself into a corner? How about you just yell at it for a moment and pass it <laughs> off as empowering? <laughs> the Plot Hole Emporium! We couldn't make more holes if your plots needed them, but we'll try anyway. <laughs> okay, so uh, maybe that was a bit premature. <laughs> more shit does go down but it sure does feel finalized yeah and it looks like cordy banished the ghost cut back out to the living room where angel kills griff gruff griff 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 yeah snaps his damn neck right very unceremoniously yeah just like and just like a cockroach bye bye yeah and that's dealt with mm -hmm. and then so cordy comes out of the bedroom and this scene doesn't quite make sense because like she comes out of the bedroom and they're like oh what's wrong is everything okay and she's like yeah the ghost is dealt with and then apparently she's possessed for a moment and she comes down with a minor case of possession and then she grabs a lamp like she's about to attack angel and doyle but she attacks the wall that she hates yeah even this uh poltergeist that's possessing her hates that wall yeah and with good reason because there's a skeleton in there there's no way cordelia chase has the strength to use a fucking lamp a lamp to break down a brick wall but she's possessed maybe it was a steel lamp it would have to be more than steel they used I think. to make they used to make things a hell of a lot better than they do nowadays yeah, i suppose could have been but a damn. solid old-timey lamp but I see what you're saying. Yeah, yes. it takes takes a lot more than that to, like that wall was definitely breakaway. <laughs> yeah. So let's just. It turns out that Cordy didn't banish the ghost. Yeah. Because as she busts down the wall, we discover that the what was her name, Maud. Maud. Yeah. Maud's son is in the wall. Yeah. So after she breaks down the brick wall, we have a little flashback to 1946. Where we oh, see, yeah, the flashback. Where we see Maud building this brick wall around her still living son who's tied up in there. And it's just sadistic and fucked up. He's like, Mom, you're not really going to do this, are you? Like, this is really <laughs> fucked up, Mom. Can I at least get a sandwich? <laughs> and some pot? Scoob! Scoobies. And Dead. Her, whole ah! fucking, her whole fucking tone is like, you made me do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Some, <laughs> a mother knows best. <laughs> <laughs> you never would have been happy with her. And uh. then not a minute after she puts the last bit of plaster on the wall, she has a fucking heart attack. And she hangs a picture right over the spot where she buried her son alive, who's still yelling for mercy and suffocating slowly that was truly sadistic what's fucked up is when you really think about it so he was alive when she died so she died first and then it took what they say 
three weeks for someone to find her body or some shit like that. Oh, yeah. So he died over like the span of a day. She was down the floor outside and like he was probably yelling at a dead body to like let him out. Well, I mean, meh. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's just, oh God, that's like the most, one of the most gruesome ways to die that I can think of. Yeah, that would be awful. So cut back to present time. And then Maud's ghost sees her son in the wall, and then her son like is like, "Oh, I'm free!" And then like eats Maud apparently. Yeah. Um, nom, 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 nom. Ghost is delicious. So a very pissed off ghost <laughs> of her son emerges, and I assumed he like took her to hell or something, right? Um, but or ate her. I didn't really catch it honestly. No, it, it didn't didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. What pissed he did. off ghost took care of other pissed off ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> now, Joshua, the next time I bury you alive inside of a wall, <laughs> you better not haunt the house and eat me 50 years later. Well, don't bury me alive in a wall and maybe we'll avoid that little snafu altogether. So the face we saw in the wall at the very first sighting of ghost activity in this apartment was that the mom or the son? I absolutely think that was the son. It yeah. makes way more sense that that was the son. Also, it just looked like a dude's face. I assumed the ghost was going to be a dude. Yeah, as did I. Yeah, but there were two ghosts. But the one that was really fucking shit up was the mom. Yep, yep, yep. Even though the one that should have been pissed was the son. But after the son's ghost destroys the mom, Cordy's like, I, I knew I didn't like that wall. <laughs> So everything worked out great. They took care of the ghosts and they got some redecorating done in the process. Two birds, one stone. All dealt with. Now we cut back to Doyle's place where Doyle is installing a new deadbolt lock. That is correct. And pretty much the scene is just like, hey, ain't Doyle. I am your friend. I will help you, but you need to tell me what the fuck is going on with your life. Yeah, Angel's like, I'm going to need your life story sooner or later. Doyle reluctantly agrees, but it sounds like he's really been through some shit. Yeah, it really does. And, I mean, Doyle, you couldn't have found a better broody boy to be your confidant. Right? Like, of all the people that I could ever think, like, if my life was a total shit show... Angel's someone I would talk to. Who's been through worse? Angel. Holy shit. Definitely. No, destined to be together for at least a couple more episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Cut over to Cordy's not haunted place. Oh, it's still haunted. It's still a little bit haunted. It's a little bit haunted. It's a little bit haunted. It's mostly not haunted. It's still good. (laughs) It's it's just a little haunted. (laughs) So uh, she gets... Cordelia's on the phone. She finally gets back in touch with Aura, who called earlier. And, oh, gosh. (laughs) Cordelia got her chutzpah back. Yeah. And she's also got a ghost for a roommate now. But he's less of a dick than his mom was, so. Yeah. Well, it also helps that... It's more like having a cat that you can't see. (laughs) God, it really is. Because she's like, damn it. Put that back. No, don't turn the TV on. It's quiet time. <laughs> it's more like having a toddler that you can't see. I can relate to this, though. <laughs> Fucking Edgar. Yeah, Gerarg. Gerarg. 
is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength, strength. Give, give, give me more! Nights, I shall give, walk in Hold on. You've got something here, huh? How'd you feel about this episode? Uh, eh. <laughs> right? Blah. Blarg. For the most part, I, I thought this episode was dumb. It could have been darker, scarier. They missed some great opportunities. There was a lot of problematic character behavior coming from everybody, mostly Cordelia and Doyle. But, I mean, just like last episode, they did touch on some important issues. Yeah, we did get some very good character bits and pieces out of it. Yeah, mainly self-care is important, including mental health, I yeah. think is the main takeaway from this. And I can appreciate that, but for the most part, I felt like this was such a throwaway episode. And also, just don't bury people in walls. Don't I mean, bury people in walls. Very important message here. <laughs> um, don't run from your past to deal with it. Yeah. Looking at the Doyle portion of the plot, I thought it was really forced how they brought the A and the B plot together. Yeah, there's like there was no hint that the fucking goon hitmen would know where the fuck they are. I mean, it made sense that they would be tailing them. But put in a scene, a tiny little snippet of anything that even remotely tells us that they're tailing, being tailed. Really bothered me that Angel was just running around during the day. What yeah. the fuck, guys? It had some humorous moments. It did. But I think I'm honestly going to say I didn't like this episode. I, I think I got to I gotta agree. I'm. It really takes a lot for me to say that I didn't like any episode of Buffy or Angel because I love both the series yeah. so much. But like this at least one thumb down and maybe half a thumb up yeah. for me. Yeah, completely agree. It was filler and not good filler. Yeah. There's some good stuff, but not enough to make it a good episode. Kind of a dud, but whatever. It was fun as per usual. That being said, dud it may be, there were still some good lines. So what's your quote of the day? Yeah. Even when it's pretty bad, it's still pretty good. Right. Like, like sex and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh, what's your quote of the day? My quote of the day, I'm going to go with Kate's line. Well, you see, the thing about detectives is that they have resumes and business licenses and last names. Pop stars and popes, those are the one name guys. You got me. I'm the Pope. Because <laughs> it was a good line. Yeah, it was. It was a damn good line. Whoever pulled that line for our composer, well done. Yeah, and we have no, <laughs> I have no idea who it was. Yeah, we had like five people pulling lines at some point. What's your quote of the day, Rex? Uh, my quote of the day is also very light. Uh, when Cordy is barging into Angel's personal space and she says, Shower's in here, right? Do you have moose? Of course you do. Of course you have <laughs> moose. Yeah. This cracks me up because there's nothing about Angel's hair that makes me think he has moose. He's always got the bedhead thing going on. It takes... I think that's what you do with moose. It gives I, your hair volume. Admittedly, I, I've never used moose, so I wouldn't know. I did a little bit when I was a teenager. Back when moose was a thing? Back when moose was a thing. <laughs> I didn't really understand that that was the point of it, but I figured that out later. Anyway, I went through an awkward phase and I tried things. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> went through it like you haven't stopped. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Ouch. <laughs> this has been a demoralizing episode of Ale with Angel. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, don't forget to follow us on hey, Twitter. It's my closing. Oh, you're right. I had the opener. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Never mind. So this has been another episode of Ale with Angel. A demoralizing episode of Ale with Angel. Yeah. Ass. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, especially if you want to have any updates whatsoever about our Keanu Reeves coloring book contest. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so on those platforms and by email, beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can give us a text or voicemail at 269-743-0783. And most importantly, the biggest thing you can do to help our show is... Find us on iTunes, rate us, and give us a review. Seriously, I cannot express to you enough how much this helps. We get this email on a regular basis that shows us where our chart is in the rankings of iTunes. And like anytime we get a review, it goes up and it's like the biggest boost of endorphins. Like I can't. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. But we're drying up. We haven't gotten a new one for like at least a month now. Yeah. It's been too long. Help us out, guys. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so in two ways. You can first find our merch at store.beerwithbuffy.com, where we have mugs, t-shirts, and a hoodie. And stickers. 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 We got stickers. Stick them to your ass and take them to your local (laughs) tattoo parlor, where they will tattoo our logo onto your ass. If anyone out there actually gets a tattoo of Beer with Buffy... I I will do something super... I don't know what it will be, but I will do something super special. That I'm would be amazing. Le- I'm legally not claiming responsibility for that. <laughs> right. If you regret it. But we will love you to death if, yeah. you, if you did that. Um, And then, of course, if you would like to be named as an executive producer, find us on Patreon. Patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Support us. One dollar. Five dollars. If you want, we'll even name your cat. If you happen to have a cat that needs a name, we do that. Yeah. It's a legitimate thing. We are (laughs) professional cat namers. We did it. And as always, thank you very much to JJ Treadway for our new opening and transition music. This has been Ale with Angel. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Have a good night. Keanu Speed, Josh. Reeves be with you. Oh my god, Bill and Ted's Face of Music is out right now. I know, we need to watch that. First opportunity. Definitely. I make allowances for your years, but I expect a certain amount of responsibility, and instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs>